Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 11 of the Parenting Aces Podcast, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and I hope you will forgive the poor video quality, and I'm really not sure what the audio quality is like. Um, We are moved into temporary uh, digs, and I don't have my normal setup, but I'm going to try and make the best of what I do have to work with here. And also, please excuse the way I'm dressed. I came off of a three-set league match today, which we ended up winning when our opponent got heat exhaustion in the third set and had to retire down 6-5 in the third. What a crazy morning, but um, I had a great time playing tennis. It's nice to be back in league season here in SoCal. I had the pleasure of meeting Dave Borelli finally in person. Those of you who follow tennis probably know Dave as a former college coach, a former junior developmental coach, and now running the tennis program in Mission Viejo, California. I played at the facility that he manages today, and it was super fun to get to meet him. So all that aside, I am really excited to bring Todd Whittem and J.Y. Obone back on the podcast. We have have a great conversation planned for today, and I hope that you will learn as much as I know I'm going to learn from these two amazing coaches. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Todd and JY. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Well, hey, gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. I never thought I would get the two of you on together, but how fun is this? Yeah, thanks, Lisa. Thanks for having us on. Great to be here with Todd, too. We we go way back. Yeah, we're going to need some stories, but um, we'll save that for further along. We got to keep people, you know, hanging on and listening for a while before we reward them with with all the antics that you two used to get up to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Thanks Lisa for having me back on. And uh, yeah, JY and I, we go far back and uh, you know, JY's dad trained me and I trained a bunch of hours with JY's brother, older brother. So uh, yeah, I know the Albonis quite well. I love it. I love it. Well, today we are going to talk about kind of bucking tradition with junior tennis development because each of you has chosen a coaching path that doesn't really fit the traditional model of junior development. And I've had each of you on individually. And so I think my audience is probably somewhat familiar, at least with how you approach training. But I want to really dig deeper into 
why you decided to go down this unorthodox pathway with your coaching and what you think you're going to be able to do that the traditional model has, let's face it, they've it's failed over the last couple of decades, really. Um, you know, luckily we had a great showing for American players at the U.S. Open this year, but it's really the first time, especially on the men's side, that we've we've had anybody even in the second week. So <laughs> it's it's you know, there's something going on here. And and I love that you two are thinking outside the box. So who wants to start? Jay, you talk. want me to start? You want me to start? Yeah. Okay, well, Go. so you know how how I started was, you know, I started teaching at an academy when I got off the tour and I was finishing my college degree and I was actually going through schooling to uh to get a bodywork degree as well. Um but anyway, so to to make a, you know, a long story short, you know, I had tremendous mentors, right? From when I started coaching, but obviously I, I was trained by some of the best coaches that I believe, you know, in in the world. Actually, one of them was JY's dad who was I think very good friends or best friends, right? And so I, I did some training with him, but you know I was brought up by Pierre and his partner. Um, but the mentors told me take a select group of kids and put all your energy into them and do it the right way. And so you know when I was growing up, whether it was with my family or with my coaches, it was always do it the right way that is always going through my mind what is what's best you know for the students and the right way to 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 train kids and really mold them and you know help them achieve what they would love to achieve and so in my mind i took the best aspects of say you know private coaching that i thought were great um the best aspects of maybe a tennis academy that i thought were great and then i tried to put it together to have the best system and best coaching and best mentoring that i thought was possible for you know young young players you know junior players jy how about you well i mean to build on top of that because you know obviously i agree with everything you said was I'm doing this because to me, I thought it was the only way to, to, to build a tennis player because, you know, looking back at it now, it, it's, it's funny how much more I actually admire Pierre and my dad more than ever for what they did because, you know, there were a lot of times. So the two people that I spent the most amount of time with were either Pierre or my dad, mostly my dad and then Pierre a lot when I was a teenager and couldn't listen to my dad anymore. So my dad sent me to Pierre and every time I went to Pierre's, I never saw 10 kids on the court. There were coaches everywhere. Match play was everywhere. Uh, singles drills were everywhere. Like more than half the time I was with two kids on the court or one and that's it. Mm-hmm. Full court. And so I grew up thinking that's how it was for everybody because that's all I saw. Um, and then I get out of that and, and, and I go to college, play pro. So I still don't have any experience in what we've seen now in academies. And then I start teaching a little bit and I started looking around and hearing what's going on. And I said, why would you guys do this? Like, I don't understand. Like, how is this actually developing? Oh, you guys care about your revenue. And I get it. I I get it. But that's why when I look back at Pierre and my dad, they could have done the same thing. They chose not to. Mm. They chose to not add more people to the court when they could have, because they knew it would have affected their development. And that's what's missing in a lot of academies. Mm. They're, 
instead of trying to innovate and do things the right way and figure out their revenue from there, they start with revenue first, then we'll go everywhere else. And they get to a point where they realize, well, we just have too many kids. We just can't do anything. This is the way it is. And sorry, if you want to develop, you got to go homeschool. Mm. Rather than saying, no, this is how we're going to do it. If we want more revenue, we're going to have to, but this is a non-negotiable. This is how we build the kids. That's, that cannot go away. And that's what's missing. So, you know, I do things and Todd, Todd does things in a similar way, which is that's how we grew up and, and it works. Yeah. Well, you know. and, and sorry, Todd, I'm going to cut you off real quick, sure. but we talk a lot about, you know, coaches deserve and need to earn a living, right? I mean, you guys have kids, you're, you have wives, you have kids, you have expenses related to raising a family and supporting your family. and Nobody is saying that coaches don't deserve to get paid for the work they're doing, right? I mean, I, I want to be very clear about that because coaches absolutely need to get paid. You guys work hard and you deserve the revenue that you're bringing in. What you guys are doing that's different is instead of having a bunch of kids at maybe a lower price point and not necessarily a lower price point, you're choosing to work with fewer kids at, you know, a price point that makes sense that allows you to support your family, but also bring tennis to as many kids as possible. Yeah. Yeah. You you know, yeah. Yeah. You you want me to go Johnny's or you? I'll, 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 I'll go. So you know, with, with how I thought of this whole business was if you're delivering a great service, people will pay you good money for, they'll pay you good money for it. Right. Where others are trying to get masses, right. There's two ways of, 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 of doing this business from as far as I know, is that you either have masses at maybe lower rates, maybe, or, you have select students that are maybe paying you around the same, maybe a little bit more, but the quality of service is different, right? And so I started my business where it was, I'm going to be priced around, you know, the, the other systems and academies in the area, but I believe what the kids are receiving on a daily basis is not a comparable service. That's what I always thought that. And if parents understood what their child was receiving on a daily basis, they would understand that, that this was different. And if they can't understand, then that's okay too. Then please, you know, try somewhere else. Right. Yeah. And and I think, you know, it's, I have no problem with coaches or academies being run to maximize revenue and have as many kids as possible. Um, I just have a problem when you're trying to tell people you're developing them and preparing them for tournaments. You know, I, I know some after school drills, where literally it's just to grow the game, socialize, have as much fun as possible, just get kids to be part of the community. I think that's awesome. We actually need places like that because actually most kids probably start there. Hey, that's how they l- learn to love the game, you know, they, and they make a lot of friends. But once you start adding the high performance aspect, you start telling kids to play two tournaments a month. I think there comes a responsibility within that to do that a certain way. And that's where things change for me. Well, and that's what I wanted to point out, too, is that this approach isn't for every kid. It's not for every family. But if 
the child has the goal to achieve a high level in the sport, whether that's playing high level college tennis, whether it's having a professional tennis career. If that's the goal, then you have to find coaching that supports that goal and that understands how to help the child achieve that goal. Right. And that's, it costs money. I mean, it just does. And whether it comes out of the parent's pocket, whether there's a sponsor subsidizing it, whether there's a national governing body subsidizing it, doesn't matter. It The money has to come from somewhere. And that's just the reality of achieving elite status in any sport, in any endeavor, whether it's music, the arts, dance, tennis, soccer, it doesn't matter what it is. It's expensive to achieve that elite level. And it is not for everybody cost wise, commitment wise, um, lifestyle wise. It's just not. But if that's what you are after, if that's what your child wants and you as a family are willing to support that, then it is in your child's interest and your family's interest to seek out coaches and programs that know how to get that done. Yeah, I mean, it, but and I always, I still go back to this a lot. Where, I mean, maybe Pierre and my dad could have raised prices more or something, but you know, Pierre and my dad, they weren't driving around, you know, with Ferraris and and and, and making millions of dollars. They only cared about making just enough money to support their family and develop players. That was a non-negotiable. So clearly, there were there were there are coaches out there that are willing to just. Keep that price a little bit low, not, not not crush families over it, and and still develop players. And I think we, I think there's just not enough of those coaches that care more about the game. Which is that's what I think. Look, if you got into coaching tennis, you, I mean, you're not in it for the money, all right. If you wanted that, I worked in finance. There's other areas you can go to get a lot money. You can get money quicker. And you're not like crushing other families. If anything, you're you're helping them save their wealth and lawyers and all that. So, I just think we need more coaches that care more about the game and the people. So, how do we get that? Because you know, when I do consults with families, one of the the things that comes up pretty regularly is, you know, I'm I'm don't feel like my child is getting the level of coaching that he or she needs to reach the goals that they've set for themselves. And, you know, there's tons of coaches around, but it's all about the numbers. And, you know, I'm not sure they really know how to get my child where they want to be or are really interested in getting my child where they want to be because they just can't focus enough attention on my child and his or her goals. Well, so here's the way, and for the families that follow me, you know, maybe through your podcast or on social media, Pierre and I always speak about this as a schooling, right? And so if you have a whole bunch of students on, on a court or masses of kids, let's consider that a public schooling, right? And then maybe if you have private coaching or a very small system, you know, like I have where the kids are like-minded and they're in it together and I'm grinding away with them all day long with, with, you know, with, with my students. I mean, if you watch my social media, I mean, I'm playing as much tennis with my students every single day as really when I was training, I'm hitting like three to four hours a day right now, hard, 
right? Which is not so easy, right? <laughs> you know, but I but I'm really enjoying it, right? And and so, you know, if you want to take for example, I mean, you know, I have five coaches right now with about 11 or 12 students. The kids are getting private tutoring four to five hours every single day, what they need to achieve what they would love to achieve. That costs money, right? And, and so that would be more of, you know, maybe an elite private school if you were, you know, speaking about academics, mm-hmm. right? When, when kids want to do better and get higher scores on their ACT and SAT, what do they do? They may hire some amazing tutors for, for that, mm-hmm. right? And so th- that's what Pierre and I always speak about. This is a private school, what I run, and maybe, you know, other kids are going to a public schooling system where there's masses of kids and maybe, you know, some are really serious, man, maybe not so much. Maybe some aren't so much. Maybe you have some tremendous coaches, maybe some coaches, eh, maybe not so tremendous. Right. So depends what you're buying. It's your money. It depends what you're investing in your child and making sure that they're learning every single day and that they're improving at a, at a nice rate. And, and I also think certification, you know, if you have to spend years and years and years, which I mean, it's what happens in Europe. The certification process is so much more difficult to be a coach. If you put that much time and investment, you're going to be doing it for the right reasons, especially when you realize, you know, it's not like most tennis coaches are making a thousand dollars an hour. So it's not like, you know, when you become a lawyer or a doctor, there could be a little bit more of a financial incentive to stay with it. But with tennis, it's, it's because you, you love the game and you love helping players. So I think getting rid of these weekend shops and weekend certifications and all of this and make putting some more time and investment behind it, um, I think is going to help grow, grow the game and help develop better players because then you're going to be left with coaches who legitimately care. Well, and that's a big issue in this country. And we've talked about that before on the podcast where, you know, understanding I, when I first started out with parenting aces, I always told the parents, you know, make sure you're hiring a certified coach and, you know, you want to make sure they have those credentials. And then I started digging into what the credentials entailed, what it took to get that certification and realized There's very little, if any, education in the certifying process around junior tennis development, um, the tournament system, college recruiting, ratings and rankings. I mean, there's so many junior coaches out there that don't have the first clue how tournaments work in this country, don't have the first clue what the ratings and rankings signify and how they work, don't have the first clue how to guide a player and a family through college recruiting. And that's a real shame. And that once I realized that, I stopped telling the families to make sure that the coach was certified because Sadly, in this country, the certification means very, very little. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and why, why do they do weekend certifications? I, I, I might be wrong here. So, so Lisa, I think you might be a little bit more informed with, on this than me. But last I heard, they were trying to do a, a longer certification process, right? Over a couple months or something, mm-hmm. more hours. They didn't follow through with that, right? As far as I know, no. As far as I know, it was supposed it's still... to be right before COVID is when right. they started talking about it. I wonder if there's any kind of coincidence that the second that there's a financial hit, they realize, no, no, no we, we need people, pay, people to continue to pay for their USPTA or PTR membership. So if we make things more difficult, we're actually limiting how many people are going to sign up for it. Yeah. So again, you know, people are not taking the long-term view 
on uh, what what matters. Well, and and I've talked about this before too that you know I was approached and asked to put together a proposal for teaching during the certifying process, teaching about junior tennis and and teaching about how to engage parents in the process and how to interact with parents and what parents need and want from a junior coach. And I put together a proposal, sent it in, and I, you know, asked a very minimal amount of money to be paid for that. And they told me, you know, it's not in our budget. We can't do it. So I, I think you're right, JY. I think there's a lot of talk, but when it comes time for the rubber to hit the road, so to speak, you know, there's, there's always that, well, we don't really have the funding for this or, well, you yeah. know, it costs too much money. And so we're going to take a pass right now. And-, and, and I do need to recognize just, just really quick. I know during, you know, COVID they gave out some financial incentives to people, some free memberships. I, I, I do want to recognize that, but you know, still, I mean, we're out of it now and let's do what's best for the kid. Right. And, and I mean, this, this whole notion of, having better coaches to work with these kids because we've all heard the, you know, Oh, American players are spoiled. They're entitled. They don't work hard. They're lazy. The same could be said for a lot of the junior developmental coaches out there. And so I think the responsibility lies in a lot of different areas. It's, unfair to place blame on one aspect. Um, But I love that the two of you are talking about this and, you know, kind of spreading the gospel that there is another way to do things that is feasible for the coach in terms of financial security and all of that, but also then providing the best possible coaching to these kids. I mean, you know, I want to make it very clear. I'm not sure about JY and if he's certified by USPTA or maybe PTR is that I have no certification (gasps) whatsoever. I don't have any. Sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. You know what I have? I have my brain. I have my experience. I was trained by some, some of the best coaches in the world. And uh, hopefully I've had some pretty good results over 12 years, but I have no certifications to teach at all. But you have a mentor next to you day in and day out who trained you and now works, works for you. Right. I have, I have, I have multiple. Right. And, um, and so that, that's, it's, it's great. (laughs) You know, I mean, It was not required for me to start my own system with a bucket of balls out of my trunk. Okay. Right. So then it comes down to, Hey, is this guy doing a great job with, with his players? What are the results? Mm -hmm. That's what I care about. Are the kids getting better? Are they achieving what they would love to achieve? Right. And, and, you know, I don't need to go to a weekend and pay someone, whatever it is, a couple hundred bucks to say, Oh, Todd knows how to feed a ball and he knows the grips. Yeah. Right. And you know, this is how you do it. (laughs) I mean, come on. Right. Yeah. JY, you wanted to say something. We cut you off. Uh, I forgot. Okay. That's all right. (laughs) Yeah. I am. I am certified. I am certified, but not for those reasons. So So what, what made you decide to get certified? Just curious club that I was working at wanted me to get certified. It was a requirement. So, 
Yeah. Very good. It wasn't, yeah, that's good. wasn't necessarily a requirement. They, they, they kept asking for it and like, you know what? It's fine. Right. I'm, not I'm gonna, sure there's you know, a liability issue for clubs, you know, that, you know, you get liability insurance through it. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we've been talking about a half an hour. So let's entertain our listeners with some childhood stories. Who's got the best one? (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, I I don't know if there is a better one than Todd putting me in a trash can, but Uh. I I think, look, the the biggest thing, and I think this was the environment that, uh, you know, that we grew up in and I thought it was great, which was, Look, I, I was a competitor, and any chance I could, I would talk smack to the older kids. I wanted to be on that court. I wanted to beat them, and if I got a chance, and I beat them in anything, I wanted to let them know that I that that I was better than them. Um, but I also think you do kind of need a little bit of that mentality if you're, if you're going to be as great as you can be. Um, and Todd just kind of reminded me of you know how young I was one day, and I wasn't paying attention. Kindly, he kindly put me in a trash can. It was very, very gentle, very soft. Didn't throw me sure. in there. You know, it actually was. I still remember at Miramar that that those those courts by the airport back there one summer summer camp. Um, uh, and but yeah, I mean, I think that's just the environment we grew up in. We didn't back down from anybody. So, so. were you talking smack? Is that why he stuck you in the trash can? Like what precipitated oh, yeah. it? Oh yeah, and and it, it, there's no way it could have been about tennis because. I was not on Todd's court. It must have been about ping pong or, or whatever. I just love to talk when I was young, you know. That's being the younger brother, I think, uh, too, right? Well, all right. Here, let me explain something to you now, JY. And if you thought at that time that I'd be sitting at my in my house speaking to you about tennis when my tennis career, you know, was over and I was into my coaching career, I would have never have bet, you know, any amount of money that we would be talking about this this many years later. <laughs> So, all right. So, you know, with Pierre and his late partner, George, I was brought up, you know, as a, at a big tennis academy. There were 80 or 90 students. And so, you know, as a youngster, I was looking up to these amazing players, right? You know, I may have been eight or 10 years old and, you know, you'd be eating lunch with, you know, the, the kids that are the top in the 16 and unders and maybe the 14 and unders, 18 and unders, right? And I go up to him and say, I can kick your butt. I can beat you at tennis, right? And I remember George would say, Todd, you should stop. You, should, you should really shouldn't say that. You know, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to kick your butt, right? They're going to come after you. And that's what they did. Right. And so the tradition was that a couple of the older students, they take you and they put you in the trash can. So now, now it was payback for me with John <laughs> Eves, you know, when I was like, who's this little kid? And it's, and it's Willie's son. I'm like, this is great because Willie is crushing us in workouts and fitness <laughs> and tennis. Thanks, and so, you know what? I got this little kid and this is what used to happen to me. Now it's your turn, little boy. And so that was great. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. I love it. Yeah, and now I, I mean, look at you too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We didn't take a lot of things personal out there. I mean, we, we just, no. it was fun. It was actually, it was part of it. We enjoyed it. Like, I mean, we love talking smack and just getting a chance to get back at the other guys. Yeah, those summer camps were a lot of fun because, uh, I mean, all, all day, you know, we were getting crushed on the court by the coaches uh, to get better. Um, but actually, we loved that environment. I mean, that's the environment we wanted to be in. And we wanted to be in that environment. We were that competitive that we, we were flirting with the line of going a little too far because, I mean, if you think about it, at the end of the day, I mean, 
that's the line you flirt with when you're trying to get better. Well, and this is a concept that, you know, I talk to a lot of the parents about is if it's one thing to say you want to be a top player, you want to play high level college, you want to play professional tennis. It's another thing to understand what it takes to achieve that. Right. And, and it's another thing yet again, to then commit to doing what it takes to achieve it. And then once you commit, it's another thing yet again to actually follow through and do it. So you have to want it. You have to understand what it takes. You have to commit to doing what it takes. And then you have to actually do what it takes, right? There are yep. steps in the process. And one of the things that I think is missing from a lot of coaching situations is having that understanding and and um, communicating what it's going to take to both the player and to the player's parents so that everybody understands that, okay, great. You've got this really high level goal for your tennis. Here are the things that you're going to have to do day in and day out, year in and year out to achieve that goal. Are you in kid? Are you in parent? Are you in? And now when are we starting? And once we start, I, the coach, am going to hold you to that commitment and we're going to see this through to its finish. I I don't think that happens. Well, you know, w- what I can also say, you know, with the arena that, you know, Janice grew up in with his dad, very similar to, you know, what I grew up in is that it was unacceptable to not be mentally tough. Okay. You can what talk about- What does that about- mean? What does that mean? That you can handle adversity, you know how to fight, you know how to problem solve, you don't need your mommy carrying your bag, you don't need, you know, you can do things on your own, right? You're, you're, you know, you can hang in there. You're competent. Right. And you could, you know, pump yourself up. You don't need someone to, you know, to, you know, help you get going. This is on you. You're accountable for what you're doing on a daily basis. Right. And so it was. I don't, I don't remember training with kids that were not mentally tough. It was just like, it was a society that, that, that we were in every day going to training that we were there to train and train tough and train tough hours. And if we weren't tired, you know, then, then we didn't train well enough and we weren't going to go home. Right. And then, you know what, when you go home, you got to do your schoolwork, but you know what, if you needed to train more hours to get more out of your training, then you know what? You're going to sleep less that night. How about that? Right. And so, you know, it was about being mentally tough. And then when I went to the university of Miami, it was about that as well. It's about, you know, how tough we're going to be, how much we're going to fight and fight for, you know, the wins and and everything, you know, so it was, it was, it was a society. Right. And, and, and that's what the coaches were teaching us. And that's why there were so many successful human beings out of these training environments. So when people talk about sending their child to a place where they're going to learn life skills and all this and da, 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 right. Are they really now? Right. Are, 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 are they, are they ducking out of tournaments? Are they gutting out wins? Are they coming back in matches? You know, if they're not feeling great, are they going through the match and trying to get the win? You know, are they committed to the tournament? 
right? Are they committed to their training every day to make sure they never miss training? Can they handle some pain, right? You're an athlete. You better be able to handle pain. I'm not talking about injuries, but if you're sore, you're a little banged up, you play through that, mm-hmm. right? And that's what we were taught. And that's why there were so many successful human beings, regardless of how good they got at tennis, right? That carried on to the rest of their life. They can problem solve. They're competitive, right? So many skills, but that was from the parents and the coaches. Everybody was on board. Everybody. Yeah. And and, and within that, you know, we were held accountable. I mean, my gosh, the amount of times I was kicked off the court. (laughs) I mean, because I I just started crying like a little baby, you know, complaining. And they, I mean, look, obviously we don't have to scream at people, but that's just how they did it, but we loved them for it. it. For us, it worked. So I'm not saying that's how you treat everybody, but they they got us out of there within three seconds. I mean, they, and we knew that that you are not going to train in this manner, and and that's that's what's missing. I think telling people what they need to do, and then just saying, "Are you committed?" Yes, okay, great. No, that that that's just the beginning. Right. That that's nothing. Anybody can. Everybody's going to say yes because. It doesn't sound as tough. It's when you're going through it and you're that that tired, that exhausted, that frustrated from not succeeding at trying to learn a new shot and you still have Todd or Pierre or me and we're still coming after you saying unacceptable and you start backing down. That's you backing out of your commitment because that's what it takes. And that's where coaches fail. Mm-hmm. What they say is, ah, the player doesn't want it, but they don't kick them out because they don't want to lose that number there. Right. They yeah. don't want to lose that revenue. So they just say it and they say, hey, you got to step up. But they never do anything that actually holds no them accountable. They, yeah. There's nothing to hold them accountable. They tell them, oh, mom, dad, I guess he just doesn't want it. And that's it. But they keep them there. Mm-hmm. So what are you going to do? I mean, there has to be that. Hey, this is what you said. You're not showing it to me now or never. Or you have to find a new coach. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm actually doing this because I care for you. Because you're going to be happier doing some playing a different version of tennis, and that's okay. You don't have to do this. You know, coaches don't. I don't think coaches do that enough. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's and and I agree with you. And I saw it with my kid, so I I totally know what you're talking about. It's it's a fine line, though, right? You know, society's very different now than it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Um, and the expectations on the part of parents are very different. And JY and I were talking about this, Todd, before you came on, before we started recording, we were talking about how parent coaches have a real, it's really difficult to be the parent coach because you say something as the parent and the kids like, no, I'm not listening to that. Your mom or dad, and I'm, you know, I'm not listening to you. You say it as the coach, and sometimes they'll listen, but sometimes it's like you've told me this 25 times. Why are you telling me again? You know, I heard you. I heard you. I may not be, I may not be internalizing it yet and able to show you that I've heard you and that I've learned this, but but I heard you. So you got to be quiet. And as parents, it's very difficult to take that step back and watch your child fail and watch them fail again and again and again until finally they find a way to succeed. It's very tough. And you'll know this, your parents now too. It's very difficult. 
Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, as a coach, you know, I'm always trying to figure out how I can get more out of that student, right? When I'm on the court, right? You know, how do I get in that student's head to get more out of them and more out of themselves, Mm. right? And so today's a perfect example, right? I'm on the court and, and the student didn't have the best tournament over the weekend. So, you know, their mentality, they're down in the dumps a little bit and everything. And I just start upping the intensity and I'm bouncing around and, you know, I'm like, come on, let's go. And, da, 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 da. and before you know it, the student's happy again. They're feeling good. I'm like, this is good. Da, 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 da. And the energy that I had to bring to that workout, <laughs> not easy, <laughs> right? But I love that student. I want them to do well. I'm committed to them. And that's just what it took. Right. And so, you know, you'll probably see some of it on my Instagram as I'm jumping into, you know, all, you know, all these feeding drills and stuff that I haven't done in like 15 years, but it fired up the group. They wanted to train more. They wanted to train harder. The intensity got higher. I love it. That is good. That was great. Right. And I'm going to do it every day if that's what it takes. And that's it. Yeah. JY, you are doing a lot of coaching virtually. How do you channel that kind of intensity and energy when you're coaching virtually? Oh, it's definitely tougher. It's it's important. I think that's a, a skill that does, I think I've had to get better at, which is communicating online, communicating through video. It's so much easier to do it in person. Um, but just, I think in a conversation like this, like look at the way Todd was just speaking. I mean, you could tell he was feeling the same thing he was feeling, uh, when he was at practice today. And and that's what I have to do as well. It's, you know, it's easier when you're sitting, running around, sweating, the endorphins are flowing. It's a lot easier, but I have to try to put myself in those shoes. But I think it's a lot easier if I legitimately care about what this kid is talking to me about. And if I legitimately care about his success. And if his success becomes my success, and if his failure becomes my failure as a coach, if I internalize it all like that, then I start to talk just like Todd was doing. And then they can feel that and they can see my smiles, my expression, you know, not the, what do they say, how 70, 80% of communication is nonverbal. Yeah. You know, it might actually be higher on on, online. And, And so I've just had to become aware of that and just increase my mannerisms just to communicate. And I think also then doing more things on the side of just more, more texting with the parents, more phone calls with the kid at tournaments. Hey, call me before and after every match. Well, Hey, I play at 8 a.m. Call me. I'm awake. That's fine. Just, and that's a way that I get to show them that, Hey, I care. And then mm-hmm. that's how I build that trust. So then when I do talk to them, uh, th- there's that, that trust already where, yeah, I, I'll listen to them. So if the two of you were speaking to a room full of coaches to be, what message, like what would be the most important thing that you could tell them to help them become the type of coach that you are and that you think every coach should be? JY, I'm going to put you on this hot seat first. I would ask them to remember why they're doing this in the first place. Oh. And that I would just leave it there and just let them just kind of, you know, take that in and just be like, why are you coaching? And if you can remember why, it's it's because we want to try to pass on what we learned. And we want to help kids because uh, we want to help them live better lives, whether it's right now or later on. Uh, That's primarily why people get into coaching. 
And if you can remember that every day, then you're going to do it for the right reasons. Because the second you throw 10 kids on a court and you look at that paycheck first, and then you look down at that piece of paper, that's the reason why you're out there, you're going to see a disconnect and immediately you're going to feel bad about it. So if you can remember why you're out there, you'll do it for the right reasons, or you'll figure out a way to do it for the right reason. Todd? Yeah, um, I agree 100% with, with what Janice just said. You know, you have to have a passion. And, and you know, what, what I feel is you have to have a passion to teach every day and want to help that student, right? And so, you know, in, in my arena, especially with my full-timers, as well as visitors, but obviously more with the full-timers, is that I play a lot of different roles, right? The coach, the psychologist, the nutritionist, physical fitness, tournament scheduling, uh, college placement, friend, parent. I mean, you name it. I'm, th- I'm like, how many different roles am I playing? But I'm doing it because I love the student, right? This isn't just take a lesson and leave me alone. I give you a one hour and you know I fix your forehand and back end. <laughs> uh, you know, for 12 years, I've been heavily involved in the students' lives. And so I really enjoy that. I could structure it much differently you know, if I didn't want to do that, right? But for me to get the most out of my students, I believe that's what you need to do. And you have to understand that student and understand how to get the most out of them. And there's a trust, right? That from not only the parents, but the students that Todd is out here, you know, for the best interest of my child, obviously, you know, we're paying good money for the service and everything. And I've hired, you know, Todd, Pierre, as well as the other coaches in the system, but they care and they have a passion to teach and they're coming out here to help my child to the best of their ability. Yeah. I love that. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I've taken, when I interview high level players, now I've taken to asking them exactly what you just said, JY. Why do you, what do you love about tennis? Why do you love tennis? And every time the player thanks me for asking that question and making them reflect on why they started playing the game in the first place. And I think it's important from the coaching side from the player side and, and from the parent side too. Why did I introduce my child to this game? You know, what was the reason for, for, you know, exposing them to tennis to begin with and coming back to that and reminding yourself of what is it about tennis that made me want my child to be involved in this sport, but the same from the coach's side, the same from the kid's side. And I, I think it's we lose that sometimes we forget the joy of what this sport can bring because it is hella hard work every day. It's so expensive. It's so time consuming. But at the end of the day, the gifts that the sport can give to the coach, to the player and to the parent are just incredible. Yeah. I mean, yeah. tennis changed my life. I mean, in, in so many ways. And that's why I, in one of my latest blogs, I wrote, like, I'm so thankful for my parents to push me the way they did because it just made this part of my life so much easier. You know, being a parent, being tired, having to push through, but still have a job and then still have to be a husband and all this. I mean, it, it's nothing for me to be this tired. It's just become normal. And I can push through because of what they allowed me to go through when I was younger 
and trying to grow my passion for the game at the highest level. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, this has been really fun. We have to do this again sometime. I've, I've loved talking with both of you. Any more good stories from your childhood days? There's got uh, to be more than just the trash can. <laughs> oh, Denise, well, you, you I have, have one more. more? <laughs> I have one more. Okay, so Uh-oh. one. I was, it was one of the few days Pierre actually ever put me on the court with Todd. So I guess Todd really couldn't find another practice partner. And that morning, my dog bit my right hand. You know, I was being an idiot as a kid. And so my my index finger was like, just cut up. It was bad. But I went to practice. Like, I don't know. Like, looking back, I, I don't know if I should have gone to practice. But I'm like, I'm going to practice. I got to practice. I'll figure it out. I'll grab the racket however I can. I'll figure it out. Pierre puts me on the court with Todd. And not having your index finger on your right hand as a righty is pretty tough. So I was struggling to hit the ball at a speed that was acceptable here and Todd were just crushing me to step it up and, and like I have my finger bandaged out there like if you're out here play through it if not go home it's okay you can't be here go home and I'm just like all right I'll do it I'll do it and, and Todd crushed me that day we actually played some points so it was pretty bad I got smashed <laughs> no Clay no court, mercy huh? 13 I think yeah yeah oh god you're killing me on this podcast Janice you're killing <laughs> no me. But mercy you, but you know what and and here's what I tell my students quite often right so if you have two students on the court if someone's bringing down your workout you have to be a little selfish right this is your time to train Right. And so, you know, you, you, you may have, you know, maybe one higher level student, maybe one that's maybe a little bit lower level and the lower level one needs, needs to really hang in there and, and, and do their part. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want the higher level one bringing down their, their, their standard. I'm not talking about this situation with Janice and I, but I'm just talking overall. Yeah. Right. And so I tell my students this all the time because all of a sudden, and, and this is a perfect example is that, you know, I'll be ripping a ball big with a student and then they go back you know, maybe to a student their age or, or whatever it is. And I'm checking to see if they can, you know, keep that standard high like they did with me. And usually it comes down. Right. And so I said, listen, if, if I was training with you and you weren't doing your job and, and, and your standard was low, I would kick you off the court when I was training. And so and but but that's how it was. You know, this yeah. is a sport where, you know, there's 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 limited time to get as good as you can. Right. And so you're there to train and get a great workout. And if you're not getting what you're, what you should be getting out of a coach or another student, there needs to be some adjustments. Right. And so that's how I always felt. So, Hey, Janice, great job getting through that workout. And I'm happy I, I beat you up that day. That was good. Yeah, that I, was mean, good. I, I never <laughs> complained to my parents or anything about it. I, I mean, they gave me a way out. They're like, you don't want to be here. You can't be here. That's fine. Don't be here. But if you're going to choose to be here, we have a standard. Todd's Todd's a pro now. He's practicing. So if you're here, then you've got to figure out a way to do better. And I I did. I did the best I could. I looked back and I played through a lot of pain. But I think that was also like one of the things I walked in. I walked into practice knowing it was going to be painful and I didn't complain. I mean, I just did it, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think that's more of what we need. Like, hey, if you're there, there's a standard if you want to reach a certain level. And if you can't handle that standard, that's fine. Just stay home. It's all right. Well, and it, it's also, you know, what we teach also, and Janice can probably add to this, is that it's it's a respect level for the other person yeah. across, the, sure. across the net, right? I don't want to give a bad workout to the other person across the net, 
right? Or, or vice versa. We got to be working together. We need to have a high standard. We want to achieve great things. So if I'm giving a terrible workout to the person across the net, you know, they're not getting as good as they could that day. You're not helping them get better. This is not working. No mm -hmm. one is here to stay the same level or get worse. We're all here to get better. And if you're not doing your part, you need to, you need to leave. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, th and that's how it was. And so, you know, Janice, you know, he could probably tell you a, a lot about that, you know, whether, you know, I was training with someone, you know, higher level than me or, you know, whatever the case was, was that, you know, the standard has to be high and you have to bring it all the time. I mean, you know, and I tell the students all the time, the only time that I probably missed workouts was when I had a fever right? Or, or maybe a broken bone or, or torn muscle. That's when I didn't train or compete. That was it. There was no missing tennis mm -hmm. workouts. It was part of my life. I wanted to be good and I was fully committed to, to doing that. And if you're there, you're, you're giving a hundred percent, whatever that means on that day, but you're giving it and, and being held accountable, mm -hmm. not only by the coach who should be holding you accountable, but also by the person on the other side of the net. Right. And I think I think that's that's a great point. Um, well, guys, we are out of time. As as I mentioned before, I've got a group of people coming home from a fishing trip with, I'm sure, some really smelly, nasty fish that, that I'm supposed to cook for dinner. So um, I am going to say thank you to the two of you for taking time to do this. And um, thank you to your better halves for putting your children to sleep so that you could take time to chat with us at Parenting Aces. <laughs> and to my listeners, thank you all for tuning in. And we will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, buy a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at ParentingAces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.